Hello, hello. Welcome back, leading women in tech. It is strategy month this month. It is March and in Lit Up Leadership Academy, in case you're interested, we are focusing on strategy, all the things, how to write, create, execute strategy. Oh, I'm so excited about this month. <laughs> I've been wanting to run this for a long time. And it's only this year we started to do themed months. There is this back catalogue of loads and loads of training and lots of support for everybody in there. So if people aren't interested in a particular topic, it's fine. But now that we've got that back catalogue in place, I've really wanted to be bringing in themed months for people. So we are doing stuff as a cohort if it's useful for everyone. And, and there's a real mixture. Like some people are just like quietly doing the recorded training and working with their coach and others are joining in the themed events, the ones that are relevant to them. And I've wanted to do strategy for so long. It is one of my favorite things, partly because I used to be terrible at strategy. Like if I do a personality test, I'm one of these people that's really good at tactics and logistics and therefore not very good at strategy. But what I've learned is that my passion for logistics and particularly tactics means I can be very strategic. You just have to realize the difference and how you can use those two practices to build a strategic framework. And so I love talking about this stuff because when I learned that about myself, it skyrocketed everything I did. And people will look at me now and think, oh my gosh, she's so strategic. But it's because I've learned how to use my natural innate talent to be strategic without being naturally strategic. Whereas other people will be naturally strategic and don't even have to think about it, but they struggle with the tactics or particularly it's logistics. Quite often strategy and logistics are opposite. So anyway, I'm kind of going in the weeds there. That's not the point of today's episode. <laughs> but I just want to share that with you because I'm so passionate about it. If you would like to uplevel your strategy skills, come join us in the Top Leadership Academy. Get coached, get trained, uplevel your leadership career, whether you are job hunting right now or you're just wanting to become a better leader so you get better recognition and build the case for that next promotion, that next role, come join us. You can find out all the details at tonycollis.com forward slash academy. But I have one other very important housekeeping announcement for you, which is in two weeks time, that'll be episode 142. <laughs> We're going to be on YouTube. There will still be podcast episodes, the same podcast episodes in your favorite podcast players. Don't worry if you're a podcast in the earbuds on the go, then we are still there. Do not worry about that. We're not leaving other platforms, but we are adding YouTube because I've heard you, many of you want to watch this. So we're, we're doing it. <laughs> and the first YouTube episode will be live in two weeks time. I am super pumped, super excited. If you want to be one of the first people to see it, of course, by all means, join my newsletter, go to tonycollis.com and sign up for any of my free resources and you'll be added to our newsletter. But if you also just want to make sure you're ready, then you can follow us on YouTube. There's a few videos out there. I've posted a few things over the years. Don't do very much on YouTube at the moment. That is all going to change. But I am Tony Collis on YouTube. Go find me. Go follow me. And be ready to watch the first episode when we go live on that in two weeks time. Super exciting. But without further ado, let's dig into today's topic. Let's talk about quiet quitting. You've probably heard of it. I feel like I'm very, very late to the party on this. <laughs> Uh, you've probably got strong opinions on it and it turns out so do I. So I thought it better late than ever to get to this party. Today I want to examine whether quiet quitting is a bad thing from the perspective as an employer, what it really means for us as individuals and what it means for us as leaders. You're listening to the Leading Woman in Tech podcast where we talk about real leadership and what this means for the world of tech, the techniques, tips and strategies you can use to become a standout leader. 
I'm your host, Tony Collis, tech leadership coach, strategist, and coffee lover. And in each episode, I share my best insights designed to make your success not just simple, but inevitable. Whether you're on the way to the C-suite, an emerging leader, or a budding entrepreneur, this is the podcast you need to become a lit-up leader and turn your tech passion into a career you love. In case you've been living in a black hole for a few years, that quiet quitting is a trend. And I put that in air quotes. I use it very loosely. There's a trend on social media, specifically TikTok, that has been changing the way a lot of people think about work. Supposedly, this was coined by somebody called Brian Creeley, a corporate recruiter, and introduced the term in 2022 on TikTok and YouTube. Well, I have to admit, I've not gone investigated them myself. Although there is discrepancies that the term originated in China with the workplace phenomenon of laying flat in 2008. So there you go. If you needed a history, there it is. But here's the thing. I think this has actually been around far longer. When I first heard about it, I was like, went and read about it. I was like, what are they talking about? I was like, okay, I've done that. <laughs> Who hasn't? And although quite quitting isn't actually quitting your job, it refers to doing the bare minimum of your job and putting in no more time, effort, or enthusiasm than necessary. Many of us have done that. I don't think this is really new. It's just got a new name. Workers don't participate in staying late, coming in early, attending non-mandatory meetings. And sometimes workers have found themselves burning out and getting fed up with work and, and then they fall into this quiet quitting space. There are thoughts that employees are only there for the paycheck and are not emotionally or intellectually engaged in their work. And I would say employers have a lot to answer for there. And it's been claimed the majority of workers under the age of 35 are quiet quitters. I very much dispute that. I, first of all, I hate these generational obsessions. All oh, these millennials, all these Gen Zers, or I don't even know what they all are. I just know that I'm technically a millennial. I'm like the oldest millennial there is. I like squeezed in there. <laughs> and I hate it when I am told that I am a certain way because of this generation I'm in, especially when you actually get people that study generational behaviors and basically everybody behaves the same way at certain points like generationally like a massive generalizations there if you group them together but everybody's also individual so I really hate it when we say like people under 35 are quite quitters and I'm like mm, really what also I'm not seeing that the women I work with I'm not seeing that I believe there are quite quitters at every stage of a career and I actually think as you'll hear later that quite quitting isn't necessarily the toxic negative behavior that we think it is but why are we suddenly talking about a thing that, in my opinion, has been around for years? Well, it definitely has become a trend over the past couple of years, driven primarily by social media. And a survey was conducted in 2022, I think, suggesting that at least half of the US working population are quiet quitters. I personally think that speaks very poorly of what's going on in the US rather than about people. I think it's a problem with employers. There are arguments over whether this is a new trend or has been around for a while and is it just a name for a worker dissatisfaction I personally think it is I personally think it's something that's been around for a long time but burnout has increased and therefore we're seeing this more visibly and people are able to talk about it more so we have this era of the disengaged worker who is desperate for fresh vocabulary and social media is providing that to describe their feelings to some extent what is being referred to as quite gritting is actually healthy work habits to some extent there's a qualifier there if you're not passionate about your role and you aren't really excited about it you have strong boundaries is it such a bad thing honestly we have no obligation to work beyond the terms of our contract to work longer hours or to do non-mandatory things and to some extent quiet quitting is about not doing those extra things not doing those things that aren't in your contract 
when we have unions advocating for us, especially in the United States and the UK where I am, a lot of the time when you take action that is short of a strike, it will include working the contract. Something that drove me nuts here in the UK when I was in the academic sector was when strike action short of a strike was worked a contract and there were employers who docked pay. And I'm like, wait, hold on. So if you're docking pay, then you're saying that that person's not working the contract. Show me what they're not doing. <laughs> I'm like, okay, the contract is strong. And this this is part of the problem. This was exactly what the strike was about. The, well, the action short of a strike is that you're expecting us to do all these things that we're not paid for, but you're not recognizing. But when we stop doing them, you dock our pay. So there's this really toxic behavior that I think is coming to a head where employers are expecting more and more and more. And we, we've all heard of the big companies that are saying, you've got to be working crazy hours because we expect this of you and all that kind of stuff, do layoffs. And we still got to do the same amount of work with fewer people rather than my philosophy around do more with us, which is like, get really focused on what really shifts the needle. Do that and do it with more automation. In my opinion, that's what we need to do in those situations. Oh, I could spend all day ranting about that one. <laughs> it's doing what the job pays you to do is the key thing here. And I think a large part of quiet quitting and why it's got traction is well, this is what I'm paid to do. Why should I do anything else? And doing nothing more than that. And we need to have a conversation about why it's become expected in the world of work that we do more than what the contract states. But why are we here? Why are we even in this state? We wouldn't have a business to business contract where we work more than the contract states. So why do we think it's acceptable to treat workers this way? The concept of quite quitting has simply given us a framework to start having this more necessary conversation. As leaders, we need to be aware that we have no right to expect more of our workers. What we want is for our workers to be excited, yes, <laughs> to fulfill the mission and vision of the team and the organization, and therefore be excited to work a little bit harder and grow as a result from time to time. But it's on us if they don't want to do that. So is quiet quitting such a bad thing, or is it just setting healthy boundaries? It's an interesting question. Some people say that quiet quitting is about having a stronger yearning for having more in their lives and more life beyond their work. So quiet quitting has allowed us as workers to truly focus on what's important in life. And with the power of social media, the idea has caught on in a big way. And it's taught us all some positive lessons in this concept. It's important to have balance and overwork isn't productive, nor does it lead to the best work performance. And your worth does not depend on workplace performance. You are worthy to exist as a human. You are a great human just because of who you are, not because of what you produce. Now, don't get me wrong, it's nice to do great work, I think, personally. Like, I think when we deliver really, really great work, it's so incredibly fulfilling. But your worth doesn't come from your workplace performance. Your worth is internal. There's a whole conversation there about internal validation, which I should not get into today. But quiet quitting can be seen as a good thing as it allows us to take that step back and nourish a more meaningful life outside of the workplace. There may be benefits to working like a crazy person. There may be benefits to working like a crazy person if done only once in a while when needed and not all of the time. But the trend for quiet quitting really should be a wake-up call for employers that people will do the work they're paid for no more and no less. And we shouldn't expect more. So I've just ranted a little bit about that. <laughs> but if quiet quitting can be seen as a good thing, can there be too much of a good thing? Is there a point at which you need to worry about yourself if you're quiet quitting or your team when you see them quiet quitting? Absolutely. 
You need to recognize in yourself and your team when quiet quitting is a problem that you've lost your mojo at work, you're somewhere toxic, and you don't love what you do. This to me is where we really need to focus on quiet quitting as individuals. Although I believe boundaries are not just good, but essential to performing well at work, I want every single person listening to this to love their job. Something I know is not true for many of you, and that breaks my heart, and I hope we can change that. But we spend more time working than anything else, so we should have the right to love it, even if from time to time it challenges us, makes us uncomfortable as we grow, and all that kind of stuff. There should be an overall level of like, I get this. I get why I'm doing it. Right now it's uncomfortable and I'm doing stuff that I don't really like, but overall I love what I do. When we emotionally quiet quit though, it suggests to me that you have most definitely lost your mojo and don't love what you do. Now let me clarify a few things here. Firstly, you can hate your job, but still work like a crazy person. So you don't look like a quiet quitter to yourself or anyone else. Many of us, myself included, have done this and will do this again. This isn't quite quitting, but does mean you don't like what you do. You just feel that the only way to operate is to keep delivering at that extraordinarily high level, which often involves going above and beyond, even though you don't love it. So if you're not quite quitting, it doesn't mean you don't hate your job. I hope you don't, but don't feel like, oh my God, I'm not quite quitting, therefore I'm fine. Ask yourself, am I fine? Like, are you overextending yourself in order to compensate because you don't like something or you feel pressured or there's something else going on. That's the first thing. Secondly, you can be working to contract but adore your work. (laughs) Might look like quiet quitting, but you aren't upset. This is about having strong boundaries and recognizing you are human first, not just a work monkey. And as I love talking about leadership around here, I would add to that that the best leaders take considerable time off and time out. That means time with family every day, weekends that are nourishing and taking your vacation days. When we do this, we ideate better, we solve problems faster because we're so personally nourished. We don't actually stop thinking about the work when we clock off, especially as leaders. This is something I've really, really noticed in the last few years. Our brains continue thinking about it, but that nourishment means we do it all faster and more effectively. And I've seen this time and time again in myself and others. So you can be working to contract, but adore your job. And so, you know, if you look at a checklist of quiet quitting, you might think, well, am I quiet quitting? No, you're not. Ask yourself, have you emotionally disengaged? If it's just that you've got strong boundaries, that doesn't mean you've emotionally disengaged. So what is the happy medium though? In my mind, this is something I still have to work on myself. There are times when we want to do or need to work harder and longer. And I struggle with not doing that. <laughs> I love what I do. I'm so lucky to have built a business and have a team that I adore. But I also know that I struggle with the stopping. But when I do stop, I will do more. I would happily work all day, including long weekends. And I now know that actually that's really, really bad for my business. And in fact, my team as well. And it's also ignoring the impact that has on my family. So I have to have strong personal boundaries with myself to stop me working like a crazy person. (laughs) So when I do occasionally work those crazy long hours, but it's really an exception. And whenever I do it, I always then do an analysis afterwards to say, how could I have avoided that being necessary? What did I need to do? And actually for years, I had these really strong boundaries. I never worked evenings and weekends because I didn't know how else to control myself, these urges to overdo, overextend. But now I've got to a better medium. I'm sometimes like three o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. I'm like, no, no, I just really want to get this out of my head. (laughs) I'm going to be happier if I do this. So I will give myself permission to work on a weekend because I know that 
I will not overextend it in the long run. That was kind of a tangent. Let's get back to quiet quitting. As you might have gathered from that little tangent, quiet quitting can be a signpost, but not the only one of basically not loving your work or your team not being in love with their work. If you or your team seem disengaged and checked out or your normally chatty teammates are unusually quiet or zoned out, they could feel apathetic and unmotivated at work. And that's really what we want to be looking out for. You can call it quiet quitting if you want, but it's that apathy, it's that disengagement, it's that I don't know why I'm here. It looks like not finishing projects or producing low quality results. And that's a really good sign that somebody's quite quitting. But before you start the blame game here, just pause. <laughs> if you've got somebody underperforming, there are many reasons why it could be lower quality. First of all, check it with yourself. Is this lower quality for this person or is it your high standards? Is it that they're not doing it to the standard that you would do it at? Remember, when you did that job, you were ready for promotion. They're not. That's one thing. <laughs> Check in on your expectations and whether they're valid. What you're really looking for is a change in behavior that isn't the standard that you expect of that person. That's really, really important here when you're looking out for signs of quiet quitting. But then the other thing is you don't want to jump to conclusions, right? It's very easy for us. Our humans' brains are amazing at this to just jump to conclusions. There are so many reasons why somebody can underperform, like massive reasons, health reasons, family reasons, they're just having a bad time of it for some reason that you're not talking about. They're going through a divorce. Their kids like in hospital, maybe they're just not telling you. Now, I hope you have relationships with your team where they tell you these things, but they have no obligation to. So don't assume that they are disengaged because they don't love their job. There could be all sorts of things going on. Having said that, if you or your teammates are cynical all the time, unless they've always been like this, <laughs> I think my husband is like the number one cynic. I'm just going to say that up front. <laughs> but if your teammates are cynical all the time and they haven't always been like that, then there's a sign that there's stress and burnout. However, I don't believe that quiet quitting is the antidote for burnout. Remember that burnout occurs when we are stressed. Our brains can't manage it all. We become frustrated and angry and worse. Quiet quitting is quite frequently increasing our frustration and stress and it correlates with our frustration and stress might be the reason we're quite quitting but quite quitting also actually I've seen this so many times our stress goes up and our frustration goes up because we are so we're more and more emotionally disengaged when we decide to take that step to emotionally disengage when we have this attitude of quite quitting rather than just strong boundaries which can look like quite quitting from the outside but we're emotionally still really engaged when we give ourselves permission to do that it can actually amplify our stress and therefore our burnout actually increases. So it's definitely not an antidote to burnout. We need to be very clear that burnout is not caused by having unattainable targets. They do often go hand in hand because unattainable targets cause stress, but not for everyone. You can get burnt out working very, very few hours because if you don't feel aligned with your work, you're going to get stressed, which causes burnout. I've seen many people who quite quit get more stressed because they are less and less fulfilled. And quiet quitting causes and amplifies that lack of fulfillment because of what quiet quitting is about, which is not loving your job. It's not about the lack of boundaries or too strong boundaries. It is about, I don't love this job anymore. If you don't want to be there, it's stressful to get up and do that every day. And it's something we have to fix. Quiet quitting is a temporary tool to help you have the time and freedom and space to do the fix. It is not the fix itself. It's not the antidote. Now, 
while I believe that quiet quitting isn't that antidote, I do believe that there is that place for it to give us the space to leave a toxic environment, to spend time focusing on you and what you need to do next, to give yourself the time to job hunt, whatever it is. Personally, I've seen this tool used for years. I would go as far as decades, but it's only recently been called quiet quitting. (laughs) I would personally call it prioritization. Right now, my priority at this point in my life is to whatever it is, right? And that may well be take you away from work. Uh, It may well be your priority right at this point in time is to have a baby. That can look like quiet quitting. I think you still need to feel a lot of fulfillment and I think you can, but your priority is shifted a little bit. The classic, of course, that we're talking about here is your priority is the job hunt because you need to exit that particular role. Quiet quitting for a season or so can allow you to refocus and reanalyze your goals and your needs outside of work and can let you get relief from burnout and reestablish those important boundaries. And if you're a knowledge worker, which basically you all are, (laughs) who relies on brain power, and if your brain is hustling, hustle, hustle all the time, you're not going to work at peak performance and you'll lose the ability to unleash your genius because you are a genius in there. (laughs) This requires us to really recognize that knowledge work requires mental, physical and personal care. And if you neglect any of those, productivity decreases. We need next to look at your team. So I want you to assess yourself and your quiet quitting tendencies and then I want you as the leader to assess your team you need to look inward and re-examine your leadership skills if you think your team is quiet quitting it could be for so many different reasons first of all do they have unclear expectations are you setting unclear expectations or not setting expectations your team may be underperforming because they just don't know what you expect of them or what the organization expects of them Remember, as a leader, part of your job is dealing with ambiguity, a topic I am very passionate about. It isn't about passing that ambiguity downwards, not until you're in senior leader, but at which point your job is to pass that down. But you are still dealing with a lot of ambiguity as well. I was just having crystal clear communication about your expectations. Poor communication every single time leads to disengagement, low motivation to perform. And unless communication between a leader and employee is cleared up, it will continue. Your teammates could also be overworked. Your team cannot be high performance if they're constantly under pressure and overwhelmed by tasks. Despite what some very famous people will tell you, stress is only good in moderation. (laughs) Perpetual overwork is terrible for performance. And one of the reasons you are a leader, at least I'm hoping that you're a leader or at least uh, aiming to be a leader if you're listening to this podcast, one of the reasons for being a leader is you are the one that says, I am going to manage some of the overwork for my team. That doesn't mean that you take everything on yourself. It's not what we're talking about. It means that you say, like, this is how much work my team can do. And you might be surprised that when you start doing that, how much more they do. Because when you take work and stress off your team, they actually quite often become more productive. There's a whole lot to that. Like, that's why there's a leadership academy out there that I run. (laughs) There's a lot of stages to really get the performance up of your team without them working crazy hours but it's totally doable. So have a look if they're constantly under pressure and overwhelmed. You could also be micromanaging them. Trust your team and refrain from micromanagement. It basically always destroys relationships every single time. They are going to feel demotivated. They're going to do the bare minimum for you. You've likely experienced this yourself because it's still far, far too common. The thing is, we have this tendency to micromanage more when we have an underperforming team. So it's your natural like inclination... My team's not doing very well because they're behaving as if they're quite quitting. 
So I micromanage. That's the worst thing to do. That is a longer conversation, how to move away from micromanagement. But I just really want you to look out for that as a risk factor here. So what do you do if you think that you or your team are quite quitting and don't know why? So first of all, diagnose why the quite quitting is happening. Is it because you or they are unhappy at work, unhappy with the boss, you don't love your job, it says something wrong? Diagnose what is wrong. Think about how can I give myself the time to fix what is wrong? As a leader, you need to give your team permission to fix what's wrong. Is this something I can fix in my current company? Do I need to realign myself with my work? Do I need to find my passion again? I talk about North Stars all the time. Get back to my January episodes to hear about North Stars. Finding that passion that's driving you. The why behind what you're doing. Ask yourself, do I need to extract myself from this workplace in order to get that passion back? Depending on what it is you need to fix, it may be worth continuing with the quiet quitting behavior because you have therefore got the time to do something about it. However, if the solution is in-house, we need to get rid of the quiet quitting, but in such a way that you're doing work that lights you up. You're not saying yes to everything, but saying yes to the things that light you up. I think sometimes we dig our own holes, like can come across as victim blaming, which is not my intention. But I think we are so keen, and I was one of these, who, to say yes all the time, we end up creating extra stress for ourselves and feeling overworked and not taken for granted. But we kind of dug our own hole because we didn't say no. Whether that's because you're excited about everything like me or you're scared to say no, I was for a little bit as well. <laughs> Whatever the reason, check in whether or not part of it is you've said yes too much. And if that's the case, and I want you to start only saying yes to things that light you up. And even then, say yes to fewer things. <laughs> Things that are going to build your skill sets in the right, they will allow you to grow and develop and evolve in the direction of your North Star. Full engagement on your terms, not someone else's. It's really, really important. Some leaders are told to tighten up their team. Others are told to loosen up. So examine your own behaviors and your leadership qualities. Again, this is something why I think leadership coaching is so powerful here because there is no one size fits all. I always look for people's tendencies, see which end of the spectrum they're on. Everything's a spectrum and bring them to the middle ground. So if you are a loosey-goosey leader, I was definitely one of them. I was like, here you go, go do the work, come back when, you, when you're done. <laughs> that was me because I had so many micromanagers. So when I became my, a manager for the first time, I was like, just go off and let me know when you're done without realizing that that meant they felt really lonely and didn't feel they could come to me, even though I kept saying, you know, bring questions to me. Like That just was not the right approach. So if you're a loosey-goosey leader, then you need to probably tighten up. If you're the other extreme and you're that micromanager tendency, you need to loosen up a little bit. So examine your leadership behaviors and find that middle ground. And if in doubt, get yourself a coach to help you with that. That's where coaching is so powerful and gives you such rapid change and impact. You can also ensure that you're creating a culture of care, inclusion, and wellness. That's a long conversation again. I always feel like I do this on the podcast. There's so much I could put in here. And I want you to lead with empathy, that open communication as well that connects you, your team, and cultivates relationships with individuals as much as the team relationship. Talk to your leaders, teammates individually, and talk about how workloads are managed, what their passions are, how happy they or you are at work, and what support could be used and to ensure that support and resources are provided. Okay, I've just given you a whole load of information, but as always, let's finish up with some mindset. I've got two things for you here. First of all, encourage and maintain a healthy work-life balance and establish those boundaries between work and home life and allow yourself or your team to set goals and work on your own terms, create your own initiatives, 
which will keep you motivated and energized. So it's kind of like a summary of everything I've just been saying, but I really want you to realize this is a mindset opportunity. You get to choose here how you're going to behave, how you're going to perform. Remember, whether your tendency is to overwork, irrespective of how much you like the role, which is often a coping mechanism for not knowing how to keep people happy and dealing with stress, or if your tendency is to emotionally shut down and back off work as soon as you have a bad day, we actually want a happy medium of the two. Figure out what your normal operating procedure is and then put in place checks and balances to notice it's happening. Then ask yourself, how do I want to be different in this situation? As you know, probably by now, if you've been listening for a while, that noticing who you are, noticing your tendencies and checking and then notice, pause, reframe is my favorite phrase (laughs) for executive presence. That is a really important executive presence skill. And then a final bonus mindset tip here to recap this discussion. It is okay to put you first. Quiet quitting is about putting you first. It's about putting us as individuals first. Something I think the world of work is only beginning to accept, and there's a lot of resistance. We are not worker bees. We are wonderful, unique individuals. If you aren't in a great place, use your quiet quitting tendency to recognize what is going on and figure out your next steps in a new role. That doesn't mean you quit today unless that makes sense for you. But instead, it's about giving yourself permission to spend time working on you, your opportunities, instead of your employer's needs from you. There's a balance, yes, but listen to what you need. With all that said and done, take care of yourself. If you have this tendency to quite quit, there's something going on there. And I really want you to look inside and ask yourself, what's going on? What do I need for me? But as always, remember, 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 stay on your tech leadership game because we really need you. (laughs) The world really does need that unique version of you that makes you an extraordinary leading woman in tech. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out how to get more of my help and some free resources. It's where I take what I talk about in this podcast and really help you apply it. Hop on over to tonycollis.com and check out Work With Tony and free resources in the menu bar. Until next time, this was Tony Collis on the Leading Women in Tech podcast.